intro i i mean how does intro you're the queen i'm not the queen <laughs> i am not will not take that responsibility i am if anything the regent someone else is technically in charge oh, i have okay all right, all right, I, all right. I i i can't be i can't be responsible regent regent of the kingdom of thirst i'm, I'm a regent of thirst <laughs> quite uh trip off the tongue but, yeah. i'm the i'm the cersei lannister of, of the king of thirst <laughs> Ugh, i can't believe i just made a game of thrones reference i feel dirty I can't either i really like that was like unexpected nasty. i liked i like cersei i like how how nasty she is she she's definitely something she is something i don't yeah. she's not good but she's something she's something yeah. Yeah. Hi, Amalia. Hi, Abigail. Hi. Hi, welcome to Keep <laughs> Thirst Podcast. I'm your substitute teacher. Miss <laughs> 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 Jenkins is out today with COVID. Uh, so this is, uh, this is, uh, this is another one, isn't it? This is another yeah, one. Is. I'm already, yeah. it's, I'm off on a bad foot. I'm already awkward. This is, I... <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I'm here to take over please, your podcast please. once again. Save me from it's myself. time. It's time for us to talk about Consort's Glory. Oh, I feel like listeners are going to go like, can she fucking stop? Like, I've heard nothing about this for like six months. And I'm like, I know. I know, fam. Believe me. If you think you've heard a lot about it, try being me. I've heard it's never all enough. of it. It's never Forever. enough. For 10 years. You have, to, you have to keep talking about it. Just, I do. This is the last time. Yeah, you're not going to get another ask. episode. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, you're not going to get another episode on it. Oh, boy. Oh, man alive. But we have to do it. We have to do it because it's it's releasing. It's It's out. It's finally when, coming when out. Yeah, it's out now. Podcast, they're going to hear it. They're going to be able to buy it. Which means that it's time to, like, let's, like, sell this thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's sell my book. I'm a book All right, seller. so. So, give me the pitch. Consort's Glory, what's the, what's the pitch? Okay, the pitch is, if you like magic, but you still want to be in our world, Consort's Glory is the book for you. It is a magical near future where things are clean and public transportation works, but also there's magic and a lot of hot people. The main characters <laughs> are Margot Good, a witch, and Theodore Solborn, a elf. Uh, and there's a bomb, there's a faded mate connection, and there's San Francisco out the wazoo. Um, yes. So if you like any of those things, get it. Also, there's some sex in it. There's uh, <laughs> A lot of biting. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot yeah. of suits. There's yeah, a shopping yeah. trip. <laughs> it all the greats. It's got everything. It's got it all. All the greats. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay so, <clears throat> if you're just coming into the pod now, 
you should definitely also go back and find the Consort's Glory episode in the archive. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in that episode. So if I'm the reason you're here, I'm like you should still go listen to the Consort's Glory. I, I'm very proud of that episode. Not because it was like a very personal like audio essay, but because I like technically speaking, I think it's a very well done episode. Um, it is. It's, it's beautiful. It's soundscaped. It's got a really cool um uh score, uh you could say, by um uh Louis Zong. Um it's really it is. And also, I talk a lot about a lot of different stuff. A lot of the weird yeah. things that went into Concert yeah. Story. Yeah. But you can also read it. You can read it. It's a Patreon post as well. It's like, it's a written essay as well that you can read yes. on um, yeah. Patreon. Yeah. So, okay. So, like, you have already told us a lot about the genesis of Concert Story. Yeah. And yeah. the seemingly endless wrestling with this book from its first illustrated <sighs> days to oh, yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, so, but today, but today, today, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the good stuff, right? Okay. Like, we, we, we're we going to get into it. Yeah. And the very first thing that we need to get into, the item that has been on all of our minds. Yeah. That you have been teasing us with since the yeah. Fragile Beings episode. How are elves based on horseshoe crabs? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. There is a bigger lore reason, and then there is an Abigail reason. I want both. I want both. The the we'll start with the bigger lore reason because I think that will draw you into the tapestry. Okay. Um. So this idea. So I talked about the fragile beings episode, but if you haven't listened to that yet, hello, hi, welcome. Um. The entire universe is based around this idea or this, like, creation myth that the gods um, all were in competition with each other to create all of the beings in the world. So right. they they basically decided to take whatever they could out of the world and out of space and air and whatever to make a most perfect being. Um, and one would finish and then another god would be like, well, I'm going to make this one. And so that's how everything was made. So everybody... Right, right who exists in this world is at, at their like fundamental, like cultural level feel as though they are in competition with each other. Right, 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 right. Well, in that first creation myth, um, the God burden, who is the, the God of the earth, he literally supports the earth. Um, it's why his name is burden. Um, Mm -hmm. he, created orcs out of the minerals of the earth so he created them out of shale and iron um and sandstone and jade and all these really like earthy minerals and they are very Mm -hmm. strong and they are they are very um community focused Mm -hmm. because they are like burden they believe in you know supporting each other right right so they have a very particular sort of um culture which we haven't really gotten into in the books yet but that's that's what happened there well uh-huh. when burden created orcs his wife who is glory the god of sunlight goddess of sunlight and magic um got really upset because she was like i can't believe that you had you made children without me <laughs> you made to, how could you do that and he was like whoopsie i just went kind of farting around in the mud my bad uh, baby, 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 please don't get mad at me. Please, 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 please. <laughs> so what Burden did was he decided that he was going to help her create 
her own children and they were going to have children together. And those children are the elves. So by taking all the most beautiful gems from the very heart of the earth um, and her passing her sunlight through them, they then created elves. Um, Our hoity-toity, beautiful, (laughs) deadly, deadly elves Mm -hmm. who are siblings now to to orcs um they are functionally very 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 similar in the actual scientific version of this myth they have a very they have a very recent common ancestor um and they don't like to talk about that because they have kind of fundamentally different worldviews um but should we get to the abigail reason yeah yeah is that i had this idea that if these creatures were made of different minerals and they were like fundamentally like different biology um, Mm -hmm. that they like, I I, I just thought they would be made of different stuff and horseshoe crabs have copper based blood like Spock. (laughs) Oh, so I had this idea of like, okay, what like works with this idea that, elves or fairies or whatever seely whatever you want to call them are like allergic to iron well why would that mm-hmm. be why would that be the case um you can have an iron allergy i've discovered and one of the major conflicts of one of the original drafts for a long time was that um delilah theodore's sister had been poisoned with iron right. um i was like well how does that work with like what i'm kind of percolating here with this idea that they're made of different stuff and i was like well well, if they have iron-based blood, maybe they can't, pr- or they have copper-based blood, maybe they can't process iron the same way. And right, that would be right. sort of autoimmune reaction to too much iron in their bloodstream. Yeah, yeah. Um, and from there, also, it was like, okay, now they have copper-based blood, which means that their blood is blue. Um, which just thematically is a, uh, beautiful, perfect, love it. Right, right, right. Um. So that that's kind of where that came in, this idea of, like, trying to mix lore with a scientific basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, what would that mean for, like, interbreeding? What would that mean for how they interact with the world? Like I said, initially there was going to be this big, like, conflict surrounding the fact that, like, how do you exist in a world where you... Um, are allergic to pretty much everything, right? Like, because you would be if you were if you were like fatally allergic yeah, to yeah. iron in yeah. our modern world. That would be really really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up like changing some of that. Like I said, it used to be a much bigger plot point, but in in the book as it stands, that is not really a going concern because they have something called the metallurgic inoculation that they give right, their right. babies that helps them process iron. So let me ask you. So, do orcs also have blue blood? Um, they don't. No, because they are made of iron. Oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Okay. they, I, they, I got it. I they're got like it. cousins, right, right, right. Um, and I, I also wanted, I wanted my elves to be like singular because I feel like that gives them a ve- like a very solid reason yeah, for being yeah. so very insular. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, the whole I, world is gonna kill them. Yes, exactly. The whole world's going to kill them, and the whole world has killed them. There's a reason that that elves are as insular as they are is because very recently, like two generations ago, they were nearly wiped out. Right. Um, So, like, they have a... I won't say they're right because they're not, but, like, there's a reason for the things that they do, um, even if I don't necessarily agree with them. Um, Okay. Well, so... 
So that brings me to to uh, my next, not my next note, but one of my other notes. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to focus the the elvish like that the the biggest challenge that the elves are facing in Concerts Glory, it seems to be like their own extinction. Yeah. So what brought you as the author to that conflict point? Um, so it was kind of a natural uh evolution of this idea of like the whole world being a threat to them mm-hmm. and um them being so different that like I think inherently they just wouldn't integrate as well um, to a wider society. And this is such a crowded world, too, that like it is. Yeah, it felt it felt like, yeah, there wouldn't be that many of them. There's there's quite a few. Um, But if, say, we enter into the modern world where like iron is everywhere, there would be a tipping point right where their their population would kind of be slashed right because if if we if that happened before the inoculation is developed well there a lot of a lot of elves are gonna die and then how does that like legacy carry on into the future right um and i think that that would create a sort of fundamental culture um that's really really hard to shake off much like with witches where i talked about the fragile beings episode right which is our the covens have a culture of survival because they've been hunted for so long um, that being said, I liked the idea of these people, these elves at one time being the biggest cats in town, yeah, right? Yeah. Like they had power, like back when, you know, humans still had stone tools, elves had diamond tipped claws. Like they were right. not fucking around. Um, if they wanted to be your overlord, they were going to be your overlord. And it is only in the modern world that they have a lot less power. Um, so that's kind of uh, kind of where that came from. It's interesting that the elves, like the elvish response to this, is to close, like basically to close ranks, mm-hmm. like on themselves, uh, and kind of circle the wagons and just like yeah. cut everybody else out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I think that's a really natural response. Yeah. I, yeah. This also this like maybe if you didn't come from a legacy of having that much power. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't have done that. Maybe you just would have integrated, right? Right. But to when go from having everything, yeah, 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 exactly, to being the top dog, only right. to then lose everything and like You're just all of a sudden like, everyone starts dying. Desperate to hang on, exactly to what power you have left. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of where where elves came from. It wasn't like. I wasn't trying to retrofit like the the established lore of elves really um it just kind of felt natural with these like biological elements I was trying to integrate mm-hmm. um and uh and and I wanted uh, honestly an excuse to put them in skyscrapers so <laughs> I, I sounds good to me yeah, I mean. yeah. that's it that's it like, why would they be there why would they own san francisco well all right also i will say so my elves are broadly based on um renaissance uh italy um and so they're based on the noble families of of a very tumultuous period of italian history this makes so much sense uh-huh yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. you have like those those very wealthy powerful families that are all mm-hmm. like in conflict internally with one another but like you don't fuck with them 
you don't fuck with them. They have their own, like, city-states. They still nominally, like, look to the Pope, for instance, Mm -hmm. as being their, like, broad leader, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But they are their own autonomous thing, and they all Mm -hmm. have a lot of pride in themselves and their families and their their, their Mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. Um, And getting them all to agree on something is kind of a huge pain in the ass. Um, Yeah. And they're always kind of jockeying for more power. And that's right. that. I didn't I didn't want to copy anything like one to one. But that was my inspiration for right. how the Elvish families work. That makes that makes a lot of sense. OK. All right. So mm-hmm. Theodore and and Margot both like mm-hmm. you're talking about how they have like Theodore, like the elves have these powerful families. Well, like. Yes. This world is so rich. Right, and it's made richer by the novellas collected in Fragile Beings. Just FYI, if you haven't gotten it already. Yeah, but yeah, this particular book is also like very intimate and focused on the relationship between Theodore and Margot. Like we're submersed yeah. in that with them. Yes. However, they both come with all of this baggage. <laughs> From their families, because they're both of their families are these like really important political factions. It's a it's it's an airport carousel up in this business yeah. uh, of of baggage, man. It is it is quite something. So if you don't know anything about the books, if you if you are coming in fresh and or if you just read Fragile, Fragile Beings or Concert's Glory, you know, like I'm looking for more content. That's why I'm listening to this. Hi, welcome again. Um, I will, as a refresher, Theodore Solborn is the sovereign ruler of the Elvish Protectorate, which is the entire Elvish territory on the West Coast. Um, the capital is San Francisco, and he is, for all intents and purposes, a king. Um, and he has, just six months ago, eight months, something like that, ascended the throne because um, his sister abdicated in favor of giving him the crown, metaphorically speaking. They don't actually wear crowns. Um, and he is a new ruler. He's essentially... <laughs> Might as well be like twenty in their time. Like he is, he is like thirty-five, but he has just reached really the legal age of majority, um, under like Elvish custom, and he's 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 fresh, and so everything's a little weird there. Margot Good is a witch from a very powerful family, a very powerful coven from the Coven Collective, which is basically the state of Washington, um. And her grandmother is the matriarch of the Good Coven. She's also the head of the Coven Collective. So she is essentially also a queen in her own right. Right, right, right. Although right. it's a more slightly more democratic process. Which um, kind of makes Margot almost a princess. It does, doesn't it? Isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. Um, although no one really knows Margot. She is not in the public eye. Um, she kind of skates under the radar. Sophie, who is, who is Margot's grandmother... Um, goes out of her way to keep her hidden. She has barely even been allowed to leave the territory. Her being in San Francisco is like a huge deal to her family because they've never let her leave before. Um, and but but she has made that choice that she took a she took a vacancy at the San Francisco Healing House in, in St. Francis Woods. Um, and we don't really know why. And the book opens with that healing house being blown to smithereens. Um, so, yeah. And, so and that's who, and that's who we're first, dealing with. Listen, the first line of this book is fire. It's pretty good. Margot was a practical sort of person, particularly when it came to her death. Like, Abigail. <laughs> that's pretty you good. just I... threw a gauntlet. Yeah. Right? Like, you just, like... 
I think my original first line was uh, no one talked about how hard it was to get blood out from under your fingernails. Uh, yeah, this is better, I think. Yeah, it's this better. Is... It's much better. Yeah. <laughs> because um, this this first line sets up the stakes for Margot, right? Like, yeah. Did you always life. know that she was dying? Or was that something that became clear to you in later revisions? Uh, so, who it's tough because there's, like, I'm going to avoid spoilers here for yes, the major please. things that happen in the yeah. plot. But Margot always had something going on with her. Um, and in, in original drafts, uh, the book actually started out as YA. And in the original drafts, there was, like, something going on with her that she didn't know about. Uh. Um, and it kind of... I actually wrote I wrote that book like a million times and then I actually wrote the sequel to that. So there are two books that you'll you'll never read. But uh-huh. um where then that in the second book it comes to it comes out what what is going on with her. Um and it's a real physical thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um and so there was always kind of like something not necessarily a life or death thing, but like always something uh, a, a, like an internal physical threat. Like you right. didn't know what right. was going on and it was scary and it was, is it something that can hurt her or whatever? Um, and then I, I had this idea of when I was thinking about the world building of like how magic would work, I equate it to electricity mm-hmm. um, in that electricity. We know how it works, but also we don't really know how it works. And that electricity does a lot of really, really weird stuff. Like under laboratory conditions, like electricity can, I mean, what is plasma, right? Like what, right, right, what, right. you know, like that's crazy. Uh, physics yeah. and stuff is crazy. Um, so I had this idea that magic is very similar in that it does weird stuff. It's extremely potent. It's extremely dangerous. It is an inherent part of everybody. But in the same way that oxygen is necessary to survive, but it also deteriorates cells over time. Right, right. Um, magic can do the same thing. So it can damage you if it is too much. If over time mm-hmm. you just get exposed to it too much. And what happens when you're an extremely powerful witch? So I had this idea that, like, if Margot's a very powerful witch in this world where magic is really potent um, and she's got other stuff going on with her too, that creates a, a really potent cocktail, physically speaking, and she would probably be suffering. Um, right. And so the, the book opens with her actively dying and being aware of the fact that she is right. dying. Right. Because she's a healer. Like, I mean, you'd have yes. to be a not great healer to not recognize that. She's perfectly in tune with her body. I don't yeah. get into it. I, I One thing I regret having to cut a lot of um, from my initial you know, versions of this book was I had to cut a lot of Margot's actual healing stuff out and how mm-hmm. absolutely dope her powers are and how, like, good at her job she is. There just wasn't mm-hmm. space for it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is hyper-aware of her own body down to the cellular level. And so she is aware. She can watch it in real time as magic is destroying her cells. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that would, that would suck. <laughs> and to not be able to I stop mean, it, you know? Her health puts a ticking time bomb mm-hmm. on this book um, and increases the pressure on what is already a political powder keg of a mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Right? Because the book opens, she's dying, then her house gets blown up. Uh-huh. It, it do get blown up. And she's I- a pretty high-ranking person from a different territory. 
she's also a healer, which are they are protected under international law, essentially. Um, I haven't gotten into it in the books yet, but there's a reason healers are really rare. Um, and it's not because they're not born frequently, but it's because they were almost wiped out in the Great War. Um, and so there's a when when the war ended, because we're in a post-war period um, in the book, um, when the war ended, they they when they're setting everything up and setting up this new version of the United States. Right. They were like, OK, healers have to be protected because we can't afford to lose any more of them. Right. So attacking a healer, attacking a healing house in particular is like not only like socially really taboo because what are you doing like why are you it's like going right, after a right. hospital like you don't do right. that um it's it's also like politically a huge deal because that's that's like it, you don't do that without a reason a very very right. very intense reason um right. and uh you know the context there being that theodore is a new ruler and one of the first things that happens in his territory is someone blows up a healing house that's right. not a good look no no well, and especially not when the healer in question is Margot Good. New, which people don't really know her. So it's kind of right. like they know she's a good, but she doesn't advertise the fact that she's right. Sophie's granddaughter. Right. right. But it's it's still it's like, yeah, people are like, hey, isn't she like, isn't she from that coven? Like, that's kind of that's not good. Right. Like, that's not a who would want to blow blow her up? Maybe it's a political thing. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be crazy. It would be. <laughs> it would be crazy. Poor Teddy. Poor, Poor Teddy. Teddy. Teddy had a bad day. Teddy had a yeah, real bad day. Really Margo had a bad day. day, but I would argue Theodore had a worse day. I I think he did. Yeah. More stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we see in chapter one. Yeah. I feel like chapter one is a safe zone. It's not too yes. spoilery. We see that Maru is desperate to belong, Mm -hmm. to be accepted fully as herself into a community. Yeah. She's touch starved. And Victor the shifter, he's a Mm -hmm. coyote shifter. Yeah. um, Introduced in chapter one. Yeah. Uh, His attention is like clearly attracts her, even though she knows he isn't the one. Like she's, she's clear about that from the go. So tell me a little bit about how witches identify their bond mate people. Um, I think it's on the same level as like when you see somebody like who you're just instantly attracted to. And it doesn't happen very often, right? Like that's I think feel like that's kind of rare when you like, you know, lock eyes with somebody across the room and you're like, oh whoa. Like that's a that's that's a very intimate connection that you can have with a stranger, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um it's on that same level where like some weird biology thing like snaps into place and your monkey brain goes that one that one (laughs) um and i theoretically right it could be more than one person right Mm -hmm, it could mm -hmm. be it could be any number of people but like on the grand scheme of things amongst a population of 300 million or whatever the hell like it's there's maybe going to be five people that you have that connection with or something um and margo specifically um has extenuating circumstances there where like she's really really selective um and she also up until this point has been so socially isolated that she's looking for this person 
And she, like, she literally does not have the people around her to even, she doesn't meet new people. She only has her family. Right. So she goes to San Francisco and is like, I need to meet as many people as possible because I feel (laughs) like that person is here, but I have no other direction. None. So she's, like, going out into, like, um, she's going to, like, block parties. And she's going, she's making friends with the coyotes. And she's going to the mall. And she's going to, like, right, she's right, going right. literally every moment that she does not have to be at work, she's trying to meet new people, hoping that she will come into contact with that person. Um, and she fails <laughs> spectacularly every time. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. So, and this is in contrast to how the elves recognize their mates yes yes you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so every i i like faded mates a lot mm-hmm. um obviously 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 um i like all flavor of faded mates i mm-hmm. like faded mates that are like voluntarily chosen mm-hmm. <laughs> right um i like faded mates that are biology based mm-hmm. i like faded mates that are magic based which mm-hmm. is so we have both here so for right. margo her faded mate is based entirely on magic um, who her magic responds to is who right. she can basically mate, and then her magic will stop fucking killing her. Right. Whereas Theodore, who is an elf based on horseshoe crabs and big cats, yeah. um, <laughs> he is he's a predator. His like faded mate connection is based on scent and pheromone production. Um, so he has he experiences something called the pull, which is. Um, when you encounter your mate who, um, you're, I hesitate because I don't, I don't enjoy this, this idea of it being simply based on procreation because that then kind of excludes queer relationships. Right. But But, but that's not only what it is, but I mean, no, the elves seem to be able to have other, like, they absolutely can't, queer relationships. That are also still related to the pull, like absolutely. You s- there are yeah, uh, like faded mate relationships that happen across the board. Of all and I feel like the medical stuff is so advanced that it's... there's nothing stopping these people from still having offspring. The only thing is that elves have trouble reproducing anyway. Right. So if you are not with your your faded mate, it becomes that much harder. It's just a chemical imbalance sort of thing. Um. And so it's like, who do, who do your hormones react to? Basically is it. Right, right, right. So that can happen with anybody, but if you are in a relationship where you can, um, like without medical intervention, have children together, it is a lot easier if you are with the person who you are uh, experiencing the pull for. Okay. To to not exclude any relationship at all. There are every type of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but specifically for, for Teddy, right. It's like he encounters Margot. He breathes her in for the first time, and he's like, hell yeah, this is it, baby. <laughs> this is it. This is my girl. Um, so he, <laughs> like, so his is very biology-based. It's very, it's hormone-based almost entirely, which has its pitfalls, right? Obviously. Um, right. Like, uh, for instance, this idea that, if you you literally are compelled to have skin contact with that person to be with them all the time to like f- to bind them with your pheromones basically which is like just to combine your sense enough that it's permanent um and your hormones settle the hell down right if they don't settle down if if for instance you spend a slightly too much time with that person but you don't fulfill the imperative there 
you can go insane because your hormones become so imbalanced that the chemicals in your brain just basically flip a switch. Um, and there is a very real, <laughs> there's a very real threat there. Right. So he's experiencing a completely different ticking clock than Margot is experiencing. Right. Right. Um, and he is also fully aware of what's going on, whereas Margot is perhaps not so aware, or at least is firmly in denial. I mean, Teddy showed up after my house was exploded. I feel like I would be experiencing some hesitation to take him at his word. Also, like, if you're just, like, a normal person, and for all of that, Margo is, like, the granddaughter of somebody important. She's, like, nobody, right? Right, right. So her house gets blown up. And she's dying, just in general, mm-hmm. <laughs> prior mm-hmm. and also after. Um, and instead of, like, a police officer showing up, instead of, like, you know, the head of the city count, I don't know, who who shows up when something like that happens, right? But certainly <laughs> not, like, the king of the whole territory. Right, right, right. Right? Like, what? And she, she, she immediately is like, you can't. Right. You can't be here. Right. Um, I am too stressed for this. And he's like, too bad. Get in the car. Right. Because yeah. then he's he just like sweeps her away. And yeah. what can she even do to stop it? No. Nothing. She can't do anything. She can't do anything. She has because... basically absolute authority over the people who live in his territory. And he gives her the option. He's like, you don't want to like, I be, fine. You don't want to be under my authority. Then you, I'll send you home tonight. Right. And she she can't leave. She has to be in San Francisco. Right. Um so she she agrees because she doesn't have a choice. I wonder why. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh <laughs> poor Margo, man. I'm so confused. Um yeah, it, it so it's like a forced proximity sort of like faded yeah, mates yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um cuz Theodore is it's good. He's it 100% certain about her yeah. for many reasons, um, yeah. not least of which is the fact that he has waited for her almost his entire life. Right. Um, and he has had a nascent psychic connection with her for that entire time. Okay. Okay. So you've said previously elsewhere mm-hmm. that Theodore was once the villain. Yes. Am I, am I correct? Okay. Yes, this is true. How, how did he go from enemy to lover? Like, did both Margot and Theodore's characters have to change or was the compatibility already part of their initial makeup as characters in your brain? The, com- the compatibility was already there because I do love me a sexy villain. And nice. so I had this idea that my first concept of what was going on in San Francisco and this world building and stuff was that there was this Elvish family who essentially owned San Francisco and they were sort of like magical, like a magical mob family. And, um, the conceit was that Delilah, Theodore's sister, had been poisoned. There was this plot to kill her. Margot is dragged in to, like, heal her and ends up being their, like, basically mafia doctor. Um, mm-hmm. And she gets, like, dragged into all their stuff, all of their drama. And the plot of the first book was that you're going to find out that it was actually Theodore who was trying to murder his sister. Oh. Uh, which is hilarious That, that now. is very villainous. <laughs> Yes, uh, because, you know, he's power or whatever. Um, Uh And, but I very quickly realized after, like, 
I mean, I pre- I think I only wrote two drafts where he was like sort of unlikable. I don't even think I got far enough to actually write him down as being the main antagonist. Um, <laughs> like, I, no matter what I did, he just kept coming out as perhaps a bit of a jerk, but like like a good boy, <laughs> like a good boy um, who is pushy and he like pushes Margot out of her comfort zone and he doesn't take no for an answer. Um, but no matter how, what I tried to do, Theodore and Margot, like, were, like, inevitably, like, they, they just kept kind of coming together. And, they I, were and it was faded. They were faded. And I was just like, <laughs> no matter what I tried, I was like, why isn't this working? Um, so finally, you know, many su- successive drafts later, I realized, oh, my God, I've written a romance novel. And that's why this isn't, like... <laughs> this isn't working because this just was never going to happen this is they always were going to be together um but it's funny because he definitely still has those strains of being like overbearing menacing like very dominant in everything he does Um, he's the king of his whole region like he has to have yeah you don't get to be that in that put in that position without having some kind of drive shall no. we say and you know i the core of teddy very quickly became that he's utterly devoted to his family right um and so everything he does is to improve their lives and to protect them and to and to make everything better and broadly speaking he views everybody in his territory as his family he, he, the reason he does what he does is because he is trying to do right by the people who look to him for guidance um, and protection. Right. Even if right. they even if they don't agree with him, even if right. they hate right. him, he will still do everything he can. And some to of them be... really do hate him. Some of them do. Some <laughs> of them do, for sure. Um, and that doesn't make things easy on him. But at his core, he's a really, really, really good guy who has right. to use some sort of some certain methods to to meet that goal. Unfortunately, right. he has to be sort of unlikable in you know to get things done in the long run. Um, and and I think you have to be a tiny bit of a villain to to do that. Um, and also, he was raised by a family that has a history, quite the history. And you know, right. there was a time when they could have very easily all been wiped out. Um, and so he's living also with the legacy of being under threat and and knowing that like everybody hated his father mm-hmm. um who was objectively a monster right, right. um and he kind of has to step out of that shadow as well so there's right. a lot of pressure going on with teddy at the same time that he has done everything in his power to make it so that he is the top dog because if he wasn't he never would be able to have Margot in his life right um publicly at least. right so right right so his whole like his focus is entirely on making a world where he and Margot can be together. Yes. Which is so intense. It's very intense. It's very intense. <laughs> and he and he realized that he would have to do that when he was like 10. Um, Which is so intense. Yeah. I mean, he comes from a very intense family. He does. Like, he does. like he does. the most intense. No they one in that family knows how to intense. take a freaking chill pill. Yeah. Um, and he's the only one who wanted to be who who wanted to be in power too. Right. No, none of the other Soulborns actually want to be in power. Delilah didn't want to be sovereign. She kind of had to be. Um, certainly, his brothers, his his um, his two brothers, didn't want to be uh, 
empower at all either. So it's kind of on him to, to change things. Um, like if Delilah had changed things, then he wouldn't have to, but she wasn't going to um, because she, again, didn't want to be <laughs> sovereign. So it's, it's all on him. It's a lot of pressure. And we kind of, I wanted to address that too. By the end of the book, I wanted it to be like, okay, he's done it, right? He did the thing that he's been trying to do for 25 years, mm-hmm. his entire reason for living. He's mm-hmm. finally accomplished it. What happens now? Right. Um, and, and I felt like it was really reasonable for him to kind of have a little bit of a, of a meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, where he's like, wow, I don't have to be running this race anymore, but I don't know how to stop. Um, and so that's where Margot comes in and starts kind of taking right. care of Theodore a little bit. Right. So, I mean, we get the sense that even though you've given us a wonderful happily ever after, I mean, this is a romance, so that's not a spoiler. Yeah. Um, (laughs) This is really also a new beginning Mm -hmm. for the Elvish Protectorate, but also for Margot and Theodore themselves. Yes. So you know what I have to ask you. Yes. Will we see more of them? Absolutely. Absolutely we'll see more of them. Um, I will definitely get... I want to do, like, slice of life stuff for them, for sure. I have no idea when that's going to happen, um, but we will. Um, they absolutely play starring roles in several other books. Um, I'm finishing book two right now, and I will say that they have several cameos. <laughs> um, and they are, oh, boy, oh, boy, they're, they're doing great. But it is it is very fun. We get to see them kind of settling into their new roles, and it's it's Yay. very fun. Um, and also how they are trying to kind of navigate each other's families and, you yeah. know, and how this is all yeah. kind of working out and how they're settling into their lives. Um, and we get to see it through other people's eyes, too, which right. I think is really right. fun. Yeah. Um, oh, God, there's, I want to spoil things so bad, but I won't. Okay, um, okay, 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 okay. But, Let me like it can you yeah. can you answer this question? Yeah. Will we be getting intimately acquainted with any more of the Soulborns or goods in the future? <laughs> That's so funny. Like <laughs> when you think that I would get away with like not having each of them have their own book, are you kidding me? In what universe? Okay, okay, but like what like give me like a like like, a quick breakdown of who I know for sure gets a book? Yeah, like, well, or, like, who, at least in the goods, right? Oh, yeah. Because I feel like we spend a lot of time on the Soulborns, but we don't really get as strong of a sense of the goods. I want to know if you have mm-hmm. plans for them. So there are. There are plans. Um, I it's, I don't think it's a spoiler. I've said it before, but I, Ulrich, who is Margot's cousin, absolutely gets a book. Yes. And I think the turning point for when we'll start getting more good books is... <laughs> uh, is going to be after his book because his book is he is Sophie's um, protege. He right, is right, being right. trained to take right. over, right. Uh, being the leader of the coven. Mm-hmm. And uh, so his, I mean, his book is going to be a very intimate view of what's going on yes. in the coven. Um, so I don't know when that's going to happen. For sure, it's going to happen at that point. We're going to be introduced to so many I can goods see that there's no capacity. Out of, there's out of no control. way that yeah. there's gonna be like there's got you know there's gonna be like four or five books like, spawned out of that. The, yeah, the, the branches are gonna be all like you're gonna be the serial killer board. Oh my god, it's already like that. Like, <laughs> like the, yeah, with the strings and the thumbtacks. It's gonna be like 
they have their own society there. Um, right. And it's it's going to be a very particular thing. And Ulrich's got his own thing going on. Um, love love that weird, weird, weird man. Um, <laughs> extremely powerful, very stoic, very dry, but also extremely handsome man. Um, yes. As they are. Loves his cousins. As he they loves, all are. He loves his cousins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're definitely going to get more, and we're absolutely going to get more Soulborn books. Like, that is, I, there is, I would be hunted down and burned at the stake if I, if it's I did true. not do more Soulborn books. It's true. I did not give that man two other brothers to For not do two yeah, more yeah, Soulborn books, yeah. at least. Yeah, well, you know um, that I'm team Kaz. Kaz. Kaz is great. But I'm Kaz. also, listen, when you introduce Victor in chapter one. Yeah. He's so competent. Yeah, not so just not yeah. just Margot finds that attractive. Okay, yes. I'm just yes. like competency is like I you know it's really the funny gift that keeps on giving. Victor is is Theodore's former best friend. Um, they are they will always be brothers in their hearts, but they had a falling out many years ago, and so they're not really friends anymore. Um, but they essentially kind of grew up together a little bit. Their most formative years, they grew up together. Um, and that's a very strange thing to have happen because Victor is a coyote shifter, right, 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 right. Uh, and Theodore's essentially. Are we gonna find out? Like, what, what, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. okay, all right, good, good, good. Okay, yeah, I would never introduce it as, as <laughs> <laughs> plot line like that, and then like not. There's no way. I again, I would be hunted down. <sighs> okay, okay, okay. Are you ready, I do love Victor? Though, yeah, for the lightning round. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. First, favorite detail about Margot that didn't make it into the book? Uh, she collects uh, dime store sci-fi novels. Dime store sci-fi novels. Okay, it's, I love that. Like That's old, very old specific. Sci-fi. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite detail about Teddy that didn't make it into the book? Um, he has a sweet tooth. Oh. Um, it upsets his stomach, but he loves milkshakes. He's such a cinnamon roll. Yeah. Okay. Who is your fave? Secondary character in Consort's Glory. Oh, I don't know that to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you got to pick. Uh, <laughs> you know what? It's so... It feels wrong because she gets so little, like, page time, but it's going to be Delilah. It's got to be Delilah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. I got it. Okay. Well, now this kind of answers your next question, which is yeah. who is your favorite soulborn besides Ooh, that's. Oh, besides Teddy? Yeah, you can't pick Teddy. Come on. Ah. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. I love Sam. I love Sam, and I love Delilah, and I love Kaz. I love my, all my children equally. Uh-huh, They're all uh-huh. so, so messed up inside. Uh, oh, that's so difficult, because, like, Sam writes poetry. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Delilah's fucking insane. Kaz is mm-hmm. grumpy as hell. Like, they're all good. I don't know. Yep, don't ask yep. me to choose. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that your answer? You can't my, choose. My answer is all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. My answer is, my answer is Margo. <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely cheating. Absolutely it's cheating. cheating. It's, hey, by the end <laughs> okay, of the Okay, okay, well... Who's your favorite good besides Margot? Um, and don't say Teddy either. You're not getting away with that twice. That's hard because, 
Well, because there's a lot of characters, obviously you've only met a tiny, tiny fraction of goods. So there are actually a lot of characters in my head that you haven't met yet that I, I do love. It, well, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Ruby. So she has mentioned a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, but Ruby good is a sigil hacker. She's like a genius nice. hacker essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, she's mentioned, I think twice, maybe three times, definitely twice, but maybe three times. Um, and she is kind of Margot's, one of Margot's closest childhood companions. She's mm-hmm. um, at the end of the book. I it's no spoilers to say that surprise, surprise. They have a version of a wedding, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, she is essentially Margot's maid of honor um, for all intents and purposes. Um, and uh, she is really, 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 really cool. <laughs> She's really <laughs> cool. I love her. She's so wild. So we can look forward to hearing more about Ruby in the future. Yes, yes, you can. Her her story is going to be interesting. <laughs> okay, She's a very large personality. Last one. Yeah. Most chaotic pairing of secondary characters in Consort's Glory. They have to have been in Consort's Glory. That is. Most of them are related. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> Secondary care. I mean, okay, okay, no, okay. So, if I go deep, um, <laughs> I, I, okay, most chaotic. I would think would be like, uh, like, shit. Oh, almost said a spoiler. Ooh, oh boy. Um, okay, that was a close call. I don't know if you saw my life flash before my eyes, but uh, okay. So I think like, all right, Winnie and um. God, there's gonna be so many deep pulls here that I don't even know if like people who read the book are gonna actually know because I mentioned them like twice. So it's gonna be like Winnie and Benny, who is uh Victor's second. Okay, all right, okay. Uh, who's a coyote shifter? He's like uh-huh. a he's a bruiser essentially. Uh-huh. Um, he would not know what, how to handle having the most beautiful woman in the world as his as his mate. Um, <laughs> don't worry, she's a lesbian. It would never happen. Um, and then. Uh, <laughs> Sophie and Valen would be really quite something. Um, Valen is the general of patrol, and he is also Theodore's, for all purposes, grandfather. Um, he helped raise him. He was Theodore's oh my father's God. best friend and guard. Oh my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be intense. They'd that be an intense be so couple. so much. Yeah. Uh, and then Andy, who is Valen's, um consort i would say i don't know she's not chaotic at all she's like the most <laughs> nicest most motherly person around uh i don't know i don't i, I don't know i don't know okay, she right, she... it's okay you gave um, us two two but i would say i would say the what, the single most chaotic though yeah um was would have to be olivier and cammy um oh my god <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would be like too much, way too much. They would I cannot impl- even imagine like, the world would implode. That's they would. Yeah, they would be that couple that like destroys every hotel room they yeah. stay in. Like yeah. it would just be like they would be monsters. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Uh, very big personalities, <laughs> those two. Very. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but the problem is so many of them are related. Like, I can't do, like, Kaz and all the, all the yeah, Soul Boys yeah, are related. Yeah, I can't, can't yeah, remix that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And there's just, the, the problem is the book has a very small cast because it, it is, does, you know, a very, very intimate. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, this and this also takes place over like five days. Ooh, I forgot Petra though. Ooh, Petra. Ooh, who is Petra? <laughs> oh, um, uh, Petra and Petra and Ulrich would be a very intense, um, combo. Don't worry, that's not gonna happen. But, um, <laughs> Petra and Ulrich would be very, very intense for sure. Uh, cause she is a uh a luminous she's a she basically can control light yeah yeah um and alric is a uh a, a gatekeeper which means he can open m gates which are like tears in space time um and they're both extremely powerful yeah so it'd be like two stars kind of bumping up against right. each other um yeah, chaos, pure chaos. I have one last lightning round question yeah. that I just thought Maybe, of. hopefully, this one will be easier. God damn. <laughs> Which couple from Fragile Beings uh-huh. would be Margot and Theodore's BFF double date <laughs> choice? Oh, God. Oh. That's... It's... I feel like inherently... <laughs> It has to be Paloma and Artem, um, only because Theodore has <laughs> a reluctant <laughs> connection to Tevas, who is uh, Artem's first cousin. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's not implausible because Artem is now officially like a diplomat. He's an right, emissary right, 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 um, right, right. for the Dracomarik in, yeah. in uh, the EVP. So theoretically speaking... They could actually have dinner all together, right. and I think Margot and Paloma would get along like like um, for sure, you know, for sure. butter and toast, right? Yeah, they yeah. would they would jam. They would they, yeah. two science ladies like kicking it, like doing yeah, their, yeah, their yeah. thing, and then Artem and Theodore would just like Artem would drive Theodore up the wall for and, sure, <laughs> like for but sure. in a fun way, um, yeah, I, yeah, just in the way that Tavos does, yeah. Um, uh, I released um the proud uh, not fragile things the concerts glory paper dolls, yes, yes, uh this this past week and uh on theodore's little paper phone it has two (laughs) notifications on it and one notification says my wife and then (laughs) the uh, the notification underneath it says asshole dragon (laughs) (laughs) and you can guess yes yes well i mean Um, it can't have been cal and like there's no way cal is sitting down at a table with teddy well yeah i think he would struggle with teddy he does struggle with kaz but i think he might he might not enjoy sitting with Teddy. And I think, honestly, Elise would be way too antagonistic. Like, she'd be like, so, how'd you like my book, huh? She would be... The one I wrote about your family? She would be a menace at their dinner yeah. table. Like, just yeah, a no, that menace. I think he would get along really, really great with Dom. Um, yeah. But I don't think Dom would be at all interested no. in sitting down to have dinner no. with, with the Sovereign of the EVP. I think no. he'd be so fucking out of there. Yeah. Um, and Charlotte would just be kind of chilling. But I, I, I think he would have such a visceral yeah, reaction yeah. to that because yeah. also dom doesn't fucking like elves though yeah like that's the thing like he he fought elves he does not he thinks that they are inherently very threatening um because they are mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know um but he has a he has a lot of baggage in regards to right to elves so right. i don't think he would enjoy it but i do think if that was not in play i think right. him and theodore would be bfs right right 
Yeah, I think Artem and Paloma really is the, I, the it only is. choice. Yeah. And I think it would be very fun and I think and it would be would the women it would be the women who were yeah. like drove the friendship. Yeah. For like sure. Theodore would grumble a lot. He would yeah. say he doesn't enjoy being with Artem at all, but secretly he kind of does cuz yeah. he does like getting razzed. Um, yeah. Yeah. But he can't say that. Uh, <laughs> and also if he does, he it'll feel like Tevas is winning and that's right. utterly intolerable. Right, 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 right. Um, naturally, naturally. I can't wait to do Teos's book. It's going to be so good. People keep asking me, like, is he going to get, like, a novella? And I was like, you think for one single second that I could contain that man to under 40,000 words? No. No. Not a chance. No. Not a chance in hell. No, no way. He's no way. too big. He's... I'm so excited. I already have his I already have his stuff kind of planned out. I'm very excited. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm very excited about it. So, safe to say there will be no shortage of new Protectorate content coming to us. In the future, which means I, that if you're yeah. listening to this podcast, you should become a patron of Abigail's yeah. on her Patreon yeah. so that you have access to everything that's that, that comes as soon as possible. Because otherwise you have to wait. Yeah, you have to wait like six months. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks. Like, you don't I, want that. No, become a patron. Yeah, get it puts a bunch of cool stuff over there. We do like bunch of cool stickers and and like bonus content and stuff it's gonna be good i'm gonna be doing more in the future um but you know i yeah i th- i'm not joking when i say that like every single book spawns like five other books yeah um i also am gonna do uh you know a um a book probably on captain Amon. i'm gonna be doing you know yes novellas based on probably yes. like you know all the people we met in in artem and paloma's book right, right, I'm right, gonna be, right. like everybody who is not explicitly stated as already <laughs> having a partner is probably getting a book like i <laughs> writing book two i was like oh my god my list just got so much longer <laughs> i love it i love it like Benny's it. gonna get a book. Um, <laughs> like half of Victor's pack is gonna get a book. There's like a, a like I it's 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 a lot. Kaz is definitely gonna get a book. Obviously, obviously, obviously. Obviously. I, again, I would be hunted down if I didn't it's do true. that. It's true. Um, I, I should. I don't think we ever mentioned though. that he's half orc. Uh, oh no, we didn't even talk about no. that at all. No. no. Yeah. Kaz is half orc, and he's awesome. He's great. He doesn't want a mate. Yeah. Which, of course, means he's doomed. Yes, he's absolutely doomed. The more he resists, the more I want him. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, his book is going to be also very fun, very angsty. Well, not that angsty, but kind of angsty. Because, (laughs) you know, he's reluctant. He's reluctant. Unlike some people, i.e. his brother. He's going to be great. He's going to be great. There's also, like, we're getting books about vampires soon. We're getting, like, we're getting a whole bunch of stuff. I have, a like, a whole historical collection um, lined up of historical novellas that take place during the war and prior to the war. Um, so it's, it's going to be a whole mess of content. Uh, so if you if you want to get in on that, then join me. Join the Patreon, the Works by Abigail Patreon. Um, also, if we pass 50 patrons, I get to finally send out those freaking... New protector yes. postcards that have been languishing under my bed for so yes. long, um, which are very nice, and they show the different territories. Uh, yeah, so I love them. Yes, I yes. I can't wait to get mine. So yes. come on, hurry up! 
Join us. Yeah, do it. Do it. Become a patron. Join the Discord, too. Oh, speaking of... um. Oh, wait, that's already passed. Never mind. I was about to yeah. do the, uh, the... I was like, wait a minute, when is this coming out? Um, I, hope the, I hope the live stream went well. Shit. <laughs> Future Abigail. Um, hope you didn't burn yourself too bad. Uh, or get chocolate all over yourself. Because that's... Spoilers for you, Amalia, but we're going to be baking the cake. Oh, <laughs> I have no yes. idea. I have no idea how I'm going to set up my computer. Oh my God. I'm going to have to make a stack of boxes it's gonna be to so put it good. on. Yeah. got to clean my kitchen. It's yeah. going to be a lot. I don't know what outfit I'm going to wear because i got to be baking in it. Um, Something with an apron. Recommended. Yeah. Yeah, recommended yeah. probably an apron. I might wear my velvet blazer. I don't know. Because um, I feel like that's very Theodore. Um, might be hard to clean. Well, I might have to take it off. I might wear it for yeah. five minutes and yeah. then put it back yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, um, that sounds yeah. that sounds more like it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the book. I mean, it's got a lot in it. I think, like, I don't know. It's 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 a. There's a reason why the series is called the New Protectorate, and it's because with this book. Everything starts to be different. Right. right. Um, so this is really, like, I, I, I think it reads this way, but just to reiterate it, this is the beginning of something much bigger. Margot and Theodore's story continues. They're not going to get, like, sequels, right? Because these are meant to be standalones. But, right. like, we're going to see them evolve and their story progress throughout the other books um, as the world is changing around them and right. as, like, all these big things are happening, um, as well as in the novellas, which are a little bit smaller scale. Yeah. So there's a reason, like, the whole series is named after, essentially, what yeah. happens in this book. Yeah. It is because it starts here. Um, so. I think it does read that way. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. Personally. And I'm going to make you cry, probably. I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, is there any anything else that we need to... I mean, any final thought? Any final thought? I mean, I hope I hope people like it. I don't know; it's already out, so I I I, I hope people enjoy it. I feel, uh, I I I don't know. It feels very weird to have this book finally coming out, um, and I'm I'm somehow more nervous about this one than I was about Fragile Beings. Um, well, and I, think, I think that's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. You've invested I, a lot into comfort stories. Also, it feels like finally, after so long, like weird to be letting it out of my hands officially mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the wider world for judgment. Whereas mm-hmm. like the other ones I've like I wrote in what, six months right, uh, right. and put them out into the world and then it was like I didn't have time to become precious about it. Right. Um but like Margo and Teddy are like my my people. I love yeah. them. And so far everyone seems to really like them, but like I'm certain there are gonna be people who like think my book is the most boring thing ever. Um but Those people are that's, wrong. That's it, that's my opinion. It's, it's okay to be wrong. It is uh, okay to be wrong. It not is. my problem. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I'm I'm I want it to be perfect. It's not perfect. Uh and that's okay. That's okay. Nothing is. Um but I'm I'm also just, like, weirdly emotional about, like, them kind of, it feels like I'm sending my kids off to school yeah. for the first time, you know? I know good that eggs feeling. Too. Yep. And also, yep. it feels weird to be to be more or less done with their story Yeah. Um. after so long. Uh, well, yeah, you've been living with them for a long time. Yeah. 
Yeah. And on one hand, I'm very happy to be done with them because I, I like the idea that they're like, okay, they did it. Right. They're good. Right. They're, they're fine. Um, they made it. On the other hand, I'm like, but, but I say, I don't want to leave you. Yup. Yup. Did, did you grab your lunch? Do you have your call? Yup. Yep. Did you tie your shoes? Yup. Um, that being said, I absolutely will be addressing things. You know, I will be doing slice of life stuff. Uh, there are a number of plot points that kind of are left, not necessarily dangling, but like, um, that could be expanded upon. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there are there are things that are addressed towards the end of the book that aren't like really we don't really see the the like fruition of like right. following right. that thread um right. because the characters weren't ready to yet. Right. Um but we will have that point where they are ready for that and that'll probably be, you know, supplemental stuff that'll be on the Patreon. Um but if you uh want to read a bonus scene featuring delilah and theodore that you is do. on patreon you can read it right now if you, you do subscribe. want to read it you do and you do you do, do. want to read it i it's it's not essential if you're looking for more but... concerts glory content after having finished reading the book yeah you absolutely want to read that scene if you absolutely read the do. book and you were like what the hell was that conversation between theodore and delilah like Good news for you, it's on the Patreon. Yeah, so definitely, um, and it's intense. definitely patron off. It's yeah. worth and there's, it. There's going to be, in the future, there's also going to be, like, a Delilah and Winnie story, um, which, because I love them very much, and they deserve to have their happily ever after examined for what it is, which is to say, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they have a, they have an interesting, Delilah's an interesting character, she's a tough woman to love. Yeah, um, yeah, but she does she does love very deeply. Yeah, um, and I think her relationship with Winnie is really beautiful. Yeah, um, and actually very healthy, all things considered. Even though it may not feel like it at the at when we meet Winnie right, and, and right, Delilah right. towards the end of the book, um, it may feel like oh my god, this is Winnie like the most long suffering. Like no, actually, she's the only person who really <laughs> understands Delilah, um, and she loves her for exactly who she is. Yeah, um, and that's we should all be wonderful. so lucky. Exactly. Like yeah. she meets Delilah where she's at, which is a hard, hard thing to for yeah. most people, I think, to do. It is. Um, and I think Winnie's kind of the only reason that Delilah has hung on as long as she has. Um, and I don't know. I I I love them so much. I love Delilah. I love Winnie. They're so good. Aww. They're so good. They're just they're very complex. Everyone's very complex and broken on the inside. That's my problem. <laughs> I think honestly, the reason that I end up with so many books where I'm like oh, I need to write, you know, 10 books out of this is yeah. because I have so much empathy for every single character mm-hmm. that I that I meet, even the ones that are really shitty. Like, people are like, I hate Sophie. And I'm like, well, actually, <laughs> I know she does bad things, but you don't know how she grew up. <laughs> but I think I struggle to make antagonists, like, true antagonists, is because every time I try, I'm like, but in his heart, okay, he's actually but, a good person. But... To be fair, I mean, as far as Sophie goes, she's family, right? So Yeah. Yeah. I I think the way I've gotten around that pitfall in my my own uh neuroses is that like uh the main villain of the entire series is not like going to be one person. They're gonna be bad people, but like right. 
it's it's very rarely going to be like a pinpoint to like one like evil organization or whatever. Right, and right, that right. is because the ethos of the world is that the reason people are separate and the reason people can't communicate is because they are they're all trying to do what they think is best for themselves right um and for the people they care about and those things come in conflict with with what other people think is best for themselves right right um and so they don't communicate with each other they're not open to new ideas and to being vulnerable to another faction or another family or another person um and that creates a lot of stuff that can go really really wrong um on a very small scale as in Margot, what mm-hmm. what her life has been like mm-hmm. on a much wider scale. As in, why do we have such hard hard um, boundaries between territories? Right. Um, and it is because fundamentally they're all pretty much the same, but they can't. They they are right. still living in this post war period where they don't really trust each other. Right. Um, so which makes sense. That's, that's where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Which again, I don't. I don't think. Like I said, no one is really the villain. I, right. The Covens aren't the villain. Elves aren't the villain. Orkland's not the villain. Like, they are just it's all doing what they think is best. From a certain point of view. Yes. As Obi-Wan yes. would say. Yes, as as um our our boy Obi-Wan would yeah. say, yes. Uh yeah, I think he would he would uh promote compassion. I yeah. think that is a fundamental thing yeah. in all of these books is that the development of compassion for other people and being willing to open yourself up to being wrong yeah. um, and trying to move forward in yeah. a way that is good for everybody. Yeah. That's okay. It. Well, the books. that's the Consort's Glory episode, huh? Oh, boy, how did yes, it. it is. We did it. We did it. It's done. Okay. So uh, I have been your host-ish. Yes. With the yeah, most yeah, I guess. Uh, AmaliaDillon.com. Uh, Patreon slash Amalia. What is my Patreon? I don't even remember. TD? Is it TD? No, that's your Twitter. Or is it Amaliad? I don't remember. Oh. <clears throat> uh, it's on my website. <laughs> yeah. yeah links, and we got the link is on my Twitter, which is at AmaliaTD. Come join us. I have two whole novels on my Patreon for your reading pleasure um there's a lot there's a lot on there uh and some short stories and if you are pledging at the five dollar level you also just got the digitally exclusive um short story collection which is only going to be available on patreon to to those patrons and yeah so a lot a lot a lot of content um and i have a holiday romance coming october it's a whopper uh yeah it's a it's a really chonky book um and the first book in the series playing to win is currently free across all platforms so if you like contemporary romance that's ultra sexy and this is and you enjoy a trip to the spanking corner as some of us do Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. come and get it I'm, uh, playing to win is under my name Amalia Teresa because I write under 800 names I guess yes, yeah. yes. most of uh, them Amalia based yeah yeah uh, all of them are Amalia based <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so yeah come find me and read I have a lot of books so 
You got. I mean, if you're looking for, for some some yeah. bingeable stuff, you really yeah. can. There's a whole heaping backlist waiting yeah. for you. Truly, yeah, if you like myth stuff, if yeah. you like fantasy stuff, yep. if you like contemporary romance, yep. if you like historical stuff, yep. you got it all. Yeah, baby. I got it all. I I write a lot of I write a lot of genres, so yeah. there's something. For you everybody. blasted through my minuscule backlist of two books. <laughs> um, good news, you can go to Amalia. She'll keep you keep you in books until the next one comes out. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Come. So come. So the dark side. Yes. Do it. Do it. Uh, so guess, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Me. That's it. All right. I don't really, I think I did my pluggables mostly. I mean, you can find me on social media. Um, in the future, post Consort's Glory coming out, I am going to be um, migrating all of my like personal author stuff on Instagram to Works by Abigail. Um, because I, you know, I realize that not everybody who listens to the podcast wants my author stuff and vice versa um and i realized that before i started doing this but because of the sheer amount of followers i have yeah yeah, yeah. you needed the cross-pollination yeah it was it, there was kind of no other way to do it in a way yeah. that was effective um but going forward i'm going to be moving all of that stuff over to works by abigail so you can see like process videos and you know more personal stuff that i don't necessarily feel as comfortable putting on the podcast stuff right, so there's right. stuff that i haven't put up there right um, more art stuff probably. Um, so that's going to be on there. So follow Works by Abigail on Definitely Instagram. Do it. Um, and then Abigail K. Kelly on Twitter. Also follow the podcast on, on Instagram too, Kingdom of Earth. You know, there's obviously still going to be stuff up there. I'm, yeah. I'm going to still post stuff, yeah. but it's going to be more focused on the podcast. Kind of Definitely to follow Abigail on Instagram and on Twitter because yes. you get extra content and, my, my, and it's content yeah. you want. I'm not always the best about holding back content. I do kind of just post things. <laughs> Speaking of, yes, um, we just had a KOT merch refresh Ooh. as of just like 15 minutes before we start recording this. Amalia, Woo. I put up new merch. Amalia, if you can right now, can you go to uh, the Kingdom of Thirst Redbubble? Kingdom of Thirst. Red I want to get your live reaction to these. <clears throat> Kingdom of Thirst. Thirst. Red bubble. Let's see. Let's see. Kingdom Kingdom Thirst Shop. Yep. Let's see. Let's see. Here's our Eliams Nutrient Slurry. Classic. Oh my god. (laughs) Is that a lava lamp? That's uh Babs in the Lava Lamp. It's a hot babs. That was designed by Page Use. <laughs> it's busted. <laughs> uh huh. For all of my catastrophic mic problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh huh. You're doing great, sticker. Oh, mm-hmm. oh my goodness. What is that? <laughs> it's me. It's you. <laughs> so you can take me with you. Okay. All right. All right. Oh my werewolf juice. <laughs> Eugene. Uh-huh. Classic Clan <laughs> of the Cave Bear ref. Yeah. Can you read the last one, please? <laughs> oh, no. I flooded my basement. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh so you can get all of those designs on t-shirts? 
stickers, mugs, all the good things, tote bags. Um, I had a whole crisis because it was like, as I was uploading the designs, it's like, does this have adult content in it? And I was like, technically, technically no. Technically if you, no. If you look at the werewolf juice can... You, it doesn't explicitly say either jizz or the fact that the white stuff on it is is jizz. It so... does not. It does not. Number one choice for mates. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. It looks like a, a classic 1980s uh, soda can. It's amazing. Um, it's very good. I, I did spend most of yesterday designing the merch and um, had a great time. I do like the, oh, no, I flooded my basement because um, it's all the drippies. Yup, yup, it sure is. Yup, it sure is. So you can get those now. Congratulations. Those are going to be on the Redbubble store. Link below. You know how how you nasty girl do. Um, get it. I'm going to get yeah. them. I'm going to wear this in Go. my store. I'm going to wear my werewolf juice shirt to my bookstore. It's going to be great. The werewolf juice shirt is really good. I, it's I really think good. it's also just a very well-designed looking shirt, it personally. Is, it is. It's really good. I, I, I'm tempted. I'm really tempted. I should do I'm a really series tempted. of those. One's like, like, like orc cream. <laughs> oh, were you drinking? <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> I almost spit that back out. Damn it. But. <laughs> I managed to swallow. Well, <laughs> always advised. This is a good end of the podcast. Thanks for a listening, great, y'all. A great Thanks farewell. for being here, Malia. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Have All a right. great pod time. <laughs> Gregorian hour. I don't know. <laughs> Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media.